You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Talk and Brexit update on Tuesday the 3rd of March. I'm John Herfnan from our Customer Treasury Unit and I'm joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist Oliver Mangan to review a dramatic week in markets and to take a look forward to the trade negotiations regarding Brexit. Ollie, after a booming year in 2019, the equity markets have fallen dramatically. This has been the worst run on financial markets since probably the global financial crisis of 10 years ago. Can you give us an overview of what's going on? Yeah, it certainly was a dramatic week, all right. Um, Stock markets are down 12-13%. As you say, in the history of markets going back over the last 50 years, We've only seen two worse weeks. One was the was the famous stock market crash back in October 1987. And then as you lead to uh, there, back in 2008, 2009, at the time of the financial crisis uh, and the problems that beset financial markets then. Now, we have been warning since the start of the year that markets have become very overstretched. Uh, as you said yourself, stock markets piled on gains of 30% last year. Uh, they looked to be overvalued. We had a marked tightening of credit spreads in, in the last 12 months as well. So it's uh, it's not a surprise to see a correction of markets, but the speed of this correction uh, and how quickly it occurred last week certainly took market participants uh, by surprise. Uh, the FT also pointed out last week that directional trading had become a normal market. What I mean by that is, Markets were going up and people were just piling in and taking, putting on long positions in markets. And of course, once the markets turned, a lot of investors got caught long and have tried to exit those positions. And that's contributed to the sharp fall in markets. But as I say, you know, at the start, we felt markets were overstretched and were due a sharp correction. And we certainly got one in the last week and a lot of volatility in markets as well. Over the weekend, Ali, the Fed chairman was out and he gave a quite dramatic statement as the Fed chair goes. Um, what do you think monetary policy is reaction is going to be to this market move and what kind of impact do you think it's going to have on the currencies? Yeah, yeah. C- central banks don't usually uh, issue statements between their policy meetings, but we got one on Friday, uh, which wasn't surprising. Uh, we saw this before back in 1987. We also saw it during the financial crisis over uh, a decade ago when central banks moved with statements to try and calm financial markets. What the Fed did in the statement was indicate that it was prepared to take action to help uh, counteract the impact of the coronavirus on uh, real economic activity. And markets have certainly been moving rapidly in that direction. I mean, in the past week, we've seen very sharp falls in bond yields. 10-year U.S. yields are down by uh, 75 basis points in recent weeks. In fact, I've hit all-time record lows. Uh, the, the previous record low for U.S. yields was 1.3%, which is back five or six years ago when U.S. rates were nearly zero. Uh, they have fallen very sharply in recent days and are now down near 1%, think about 1.1, 1.15%. Uh, a big fall in, in yields in Europe uh, as well. And that's a signal that markets are expecting uh, central banks to act here to calm markets and support growth. And we can tell from futures contracts that markets are pricing in um, significant easing and soon. Uh, The ECB meets next week, the Fed meets the the following week. At this stage, markets think that the Fed, uh, and that meeting is on the 17th and 18th of February, or of March, markets think the the Fed could cut rates by as much as 50 basis points in two weeks time. 
and ease policy by a further 50 basis points over the summer. So 100 basis points off rates. Uh, now, the, obviously, rates in the US are much higher than elsewhere, so it's got more room for manoeuvre. Uh, in other markets, they're discounting rate cuts as well, but obviously rates are very, very low, and indeed they're negative in Japan and negative in the Eurozone. So in the UK, they're discounting rate cuts of up to 50 basis points. And from the ECB and the Bank of Japan, where rates are already negative, they're looking for maybe rate cuts of the order of 20 basis points. So uh, I, I think it's fairly clear. I mean, the Bank of Japan also gave an indication over the weekend that it would act uh, and we expect to hear from other central banks in the coming week. They will act. I mean, they're concerned you know, about the impact of this coronavirus will have an economic activity. And, and the impacts are, first of all, obviously the negative shock from the collapse in markets and the wealth effect uh, that has, a tightening of financial conditions. We're seeing disruption to um, supply chains, particularly for goods coming out of China. And postponement or cancellation of spending plans and investment decisions. And these are all negative impacts on growth. So we actually had data out of um, Japan, South Korea and China uh, on Monday. And they showed a marked contraction in activity in South Korea and Japan and a very sharp fall in manufacturing activity in China all down to the coronavirus, and particularly in China, where they have had to close factories, uh, delay the restart of business after the Chinese New Year, etc. So that's really impacting on activity. And that will spill over into Western economies in terms of the supply of parts, etc., because supply chains are integrated globally. So European firms, US firms rely on parts from Asia, uh, and that supply has been disrupted. And you add to that now the uncertainty and the fear that's out there, uh, you get a postponement of spending and investment decisions or possible cancellation, and say the, the, the tightening of credit conditions. So growth is going to be impacted in the coming months. And uh, there's a lot of uncertainty as well which will impact on activity. We don't know when this coronavirus will be brought under control. We don't know how bad it will get. So all those factors weigh in economic activity and central banks are not going to sit idly by and do nothing. They will move on policy in the coming weeks. They will cut rates. We could see QE restarted or extended. And governments may actually expand fiscal policy. That would be even more effective in terms of um, a real economic and immediate effect in counteracting the slowdown in global growth. So, uh, and it's important to understand, it's, it's not the coronavirus itself that's impacting activity. It's the measures that are being taken to contain it. Uh, and, you know, governments are keen to bring this virus under control as quickly as possible. Now, I mean, when we look at the states, for example, in any given winter, you know, you could have 60 to 70,000 deaths from, from the flu virus. Governments talk, don't take action. But they're concerned this time how quickly the virus is, is spreading. So it's that disruption to economic activity that will be caused by efforts to contain the virus that will prompt action, certainly by central banks and possibly even by governments in terms of loosening policy. And if the dollar has been affected in the past week on the back of the reaction to the coronavirus, it's fair to say that the sterling has come under pressure, but probably for other reasons, Ollie. The UK and the EU trade negotiations are kicking off. And with the UK projecting a hardline approach, how do you foresee things going and what impact will have on the currency? Yeah, well, to, to deal with the currency markets, first of all, the dollar. Um, you know, the dollar has been strong in recent years because interest rates in the US have been much higher than elsewhere. 
And now we're looking at that interest rate gap narrowing considerably because there's more scope to lower rates in the US than elsewhere. And I mentioned the sharp decline in US bond yields in the last week. I mean, they've fallen by 75 basis points. That's a pretty dramatic decline in um, bond yields in a short few days. So US assets particularly fixed income assets, no longer look as attractive as they did two weeks ago. So as a result, we are seeing um, the dollar come under some pressure, downward pressure uh, from the market's expectation that will be large cuts in the US, rate cuts in the US in particular. Now, it's not a dramatic fall or anything like that. The dollar had been strong in recent years. It had a good opening two months to the year. It's given up those gains, and it's actually it's actually moved back to its trading range Um for the second half of last year, which is 109 to 112 uh, against the euro. It could weaken further. I mean, the euro could go as high as 112 to 115. That was a trading range in the first half of um, of last year. That still leaves the dollar at quite high levels. But I think the shine has come off the dollar. There's no doubt about that in the, in the last uh, week or so on the back of these expectations for sizable cuts in US interest rates. In regard to the um, sterling, I mean, last week we saw both the UK government and the European Commission set out their positions, uh, our opening positions in regard to the trade talks about the future relationship between the UK and the EU. And the UK in particular took a quite belligerent position uh, and was indicating that unless significant progress is made in these talks within the next couple of months, i.e. by June, that they would pull out the talks and opt for a no-deal Brexit. In other words, uh, when the transition period ends at the, the end of this year, that they would move to trade on World Trade Organization terms. That would mean the introduction of tariffs and quotas and restrictions on trade. Now, it's more than likely that we will see a trade deal done, but it's going to it's shaping up like a pretty poor trade deal. Uh, the UK is talking about a Canadian type trade deal, so there'll be a lot of non-tariff barriers to trade. You you require customs declaration forms. You could require proof of origin in terms of where the goods come from. Uh, you could require, if you're an Irish exporter going through the UK into mainland Europe, you could require transit documentation. You're going to see delays at ports. There are going to be increased costs, increased administration costs. So this will be negative for um, UK economic growth in particular. And as a result of the tone that, you know, the, the, the negotiations started this week, but that the... the, the the UK and the EU are poles apart at the start of these negotiations and that's beginning to impact on sterling. And we've been warning that the strength we saw in sterling in the aftermath of the general election result, in the aftermath of the smooth Brexit we saw at the end of January, that that would not be sustained. I mean, the euro got as low as 83p. It's now heading back up towards 86, 87p. That is not a surprise to us because these trade talks are going to prove difficult. They could break down. So it is, you know, it is going to be a test for Sterling in the coming months. Oliver, many thanks, as always, for your valuable insights. Thank you to all our listeners for joining us this week. Listen out for our monthly PMI podcast. To stay up to date with all our latest podcasts, please make sure you press the subscribe button to AIB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Android. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC.
Authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC. Authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.